Welcome to our new series, Behind the Bar, where we feature talent pouring at your favorite breweries. Like craft beer, everyone has something that makes them extraordinary. So we take you behind the bar in neighborhoods near and far to highlight brew tenders and their unique skills. In case you missed our first installment of Behind the Bar, episode 15, we met up with Nick, a brew tender and coffee roaster at Percival Brewing. And in this week's Behind the Bar series, we meet Ashley, home brewer and brew tender from California. All right, well, welcome back. I'm James. And I'm Shannon. And this is Double Hoppy Podcast. And this is actually a very special uh, feature that we are doing. We are starting to do a Behind the Bar series. And we'd like to welcome with us Ashley from California. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing good. Thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Uh, so Thanks for having me. So for the listeners, uh, Ashley is a previous brew tender at Mad River Brewing Company in California, and she's also a home brewer. Yeah. So Ashley, um, how did you first get started with being a brew tender at Mad River Brewing? Well, after... Um the whole time I started up here in Humboldt, I was in college. I did five years at Humboldt State University, and I ended up graduating with a degree in environmental science and a minor in botany. Um, when I graduated, I was really burnt out of the science scene, and I decided that I wanted to do something a little bit more relaxing, a little bit more fun. Uh, a little bit, something I'm a little bit more passionate about. Um, and I was always a regular, my entire um, career at Humboldt State at Mad River Brewery. It was actually one of my favorite breweries. So when a friend of mine who worked there told me he was going to be leaving, I went and I applied and lo and behold, next thing I knew I was working there. I don't think I ever anticipated to work there for over two years when I started, but kind of how it worked and I I just loved it and decided I was didn't really want to go do environmental science anymore. <laughs> well at least you found something you're passionate about after that. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm sure too environmental science at with sustainability and brewing, you could always tie that in eventually if you decided to as well. Um Yeah, definitely. So and then the biology side of it made it easier too. Yeah, absolutely. So what was it like pouring beers um, at the Beer Fest uh, revival that you went to in 2019? Oh, it was a lot of fun. It was, we actually camped with all the brewers ahead of time at Stumptown Brewery. Uh, For people that don't know, Beer Revival is a barbecue and craft beer festival. It's also a barbecue competition, and it's located on the Russian River in Sonoma, uh, Sonoma County also in Northern California, a little bit, a couple hours south of where I'm at. Um, It's actually in my hometown where I grew up. So that was pretty cool to get to go back there and get to do some festival there. Um, There was 45 breweries and cideries and 40 different barbecue vendors. And it's a benefit for the Guerneville Senior Center. And we had a great time. Um, Lots of fun people to meet, old people that you know and people that you just met all come together and it was it was a lot of fun and how long is that festival is that a whole weekend is it just at night it was the festival itself was only from noon to five on saturday 
but it sure felt like a whole weekend camping um, <laughs> the two nights, <laughs> the night before and then the night of. So it was the festival for the brewers kind of continued on and started early too. So it seems like it's something really cool for not only the people coming to the festival, but also the brewers and all the staff to yes. really enjoy what they make. That's a unique experience. Exactly. I don't, I don't, I've never heard of anything like that happening. So that's really cool. I kind of wish there was something like that around here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never been to it before. I've always heard good things about it, but it was, it was awesome to go for the first time. Yeah. I think we could really use some good barbecue around here too. Pa- pairs oh, really sure. well with craft beer. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yes, it does. So working behind behind the bar can be tough at times. I know on a daily basis when I, I'm working, it's, it can be challenging, but it's also very rewarding when you can kind of bring craft beer to someone that's never had craft beer before, or they just have wine usually, or they're used to, you know, your standard commercial beers that um, they really grew up with. Um, what would you say has been the biggest challenge or someone asking a request when they come into your brewery? and uh, how you changed or recommended a beer to them? Well, a lot of times I think we see that a lot. Um, People who are used to the more standard commercial beers, like they want a Budweiser. And, you know, obviously we don't have that at Mad River. Um, So it's sometimes really difficult to get somebody to even try something, even just like if you pour them an ounce of it and say, take a sip. Sometimes I've seen people look at me, you know, they'll go, I'm not going to like it. I'm like, well, you know, just give it a try. And most of the time I can find something that they do enjoy. It was challenging at Mad River because a lot of our beers are either dark beers or hoppy beers, hoppy IPAs, different than what people um, are used to. We do have a, our flagship beer is an extra pale ale. And a lot of people say, well, I don't like pale ales. And just, give it a try. And nine times out of 10 people loved it. But um, that's the hardest part. I think people have had a style of beer once and didn't like it. And they think that that's how all that is going to be. Every one of those styles. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's fun when you get them to branch out and they realize that, Oh, I didn't know I liked this stuff. I think for me, it's usually like they, like you said, they are used to like, a light lager like a Budweiser or like Mm -hmm. a Miller and sometimes I think what I try and do is I go for a shock and awe so I will recommend something totally different so instead of just trying to match it to the closest light beer we have I will throw them a Ciazon or I'll try and do one of the fruit um, beers that we have on tap Mm -hmm. to kind of really get that tart like a nice tart beer or something totally different that they'll be like wait this is beer like I'm yeah, not used to that. Try to open their mind up to something else and not just what they think they, they like. Exactly. And I'd say it's got a 50% return rate, sometimes. but yeah. it's then yeah. you go from that, then you go with your lager after something comparable and then they go, oh, okay, I'll take that instead of, no, I'm good. I'm, I don't like any of your beer. Exactly. Which I have never had. <laughs> I've ha- never had someone refuse. I've had uh, close calls, but uh, there's always something for everybody. Right. So, Ashley, I understand that in addition to being a brew tender, you also like to pull pranks on some of the regular customers. Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) Only to the the ones who I know can take it, though. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of pranks did you pull on them? Um, Well, 
probably the biggest prank that uh, actually was another regular and I got together. And we have, um, as people who aren't familiar with what a mug club is, it's um, basically the regulars get their own special mug with their own name on it. And it's a 20 ounce mug. They get charged the same amount as they would for a pint price and get that extra four ounces. Um, so for April Fool's, we decided, we found online these glass, tiny little one ounce mugs and I came in early to work and I took down all the the mugs off the wall which are hung up and replaced them with a tiny one ounce mug and every one of them who came in I told them um today you get your first beer is on us and they said wow so cool and I get it down and then (laughs) go here you go here's your beer and they would get a one ounce and it was april fool's day so of course they were expecting some tricks and most people thought it was so funny i got lots of pictures taken and (laughs) things like that oh my god wow that is so hilarious it's like you go in there (laughs) expecting like oh sweet the first time get my 20 ounces and it's one ounce it's like wait what yeah i like it because it's not it's a harmless (laughs) prank too so it's not Right. Nobody's really gonna be mad, you know. It's an it's a lighthearted prank, right. which is always nice. <laughs> and then they, they we laugh about it, and then I give them their real mug with their beer yeah. in it. But they gotta pay for that one. <laughs> that was creative. Yeah, I give you kudos for that one. That that one must have sent, took a lot of work too, taking all the other mugs down, putting the new ones. Yes, it, it actually took a lot longer than I expected it to, but that's okay. It was worth it. <laughs> Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, that there's no, like, misrepresentation or anything like that. Like, I had a customer, and he thought that uh, the little water sprout that you do before the glasses was actually putting sugar into the glass. And so I was like, yep, totally putting sugar into the beer before. And he's like, wait, seriously? And I'm like, no, no, not at all. And he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, just to clarify, I'm not putting sugar into the beer. I promise you I wouldn't do that. That would be disgusting or salt i mean i i was reading so we were watching reruns of cheers the other day and i guess one of the actors i one of the main questions for that show is did they drink real beer on the show Mm -hmm. and it turns out that they actually had added salt to the beer so it was like a non-beer is what they called it and so it had like a low alcohol content, but they added salt to it to make so the foam would actually stay while it was shooting under the production lights, which I thought was really funny wow. that someone was actually drinking like beer. poor Norm, the character Norm was uh, drinking beer with some salt <laughs> in it. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> Making their own goza, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess so. <laughs> and what what was your weirdest customer experience you've had at the brewery or just if you've been to a brewery um, that you've kind of witnessed? Wow, that's a hard one. Um, you know, <clears throat> oh man, I'm sorry. I have, I, weirdest is so difficult for me. Um, can a, I go, well, actually a, at Mad River, we, we did this very interesting dog Halloween costume party and we had a, oh, like no. a fashion show <laughs> with the dogs dressed up. That was probably the strangest experience oh, I think I've ever seen. It was so fun and cute. People loved it, but it was definitely a something different. else. Which you dog know, we, didn't, we didn't encourage people to dress up. Oh, it was actually one of our employees one. She did her, had her dog dressed up and she cut out a 12 pack box. So, and they had, 
Mickey Mouse holding the other end of the box, and it they were making a beer run together. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's cute. It was cute. <laughs> very on theme. Well, that sounds like an adorable, weird experience. I feel like. I yeah, have. I feel like that's very pleasant. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I'm sure there's some weird things that you're like, yeah, I probably can't say this on air. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly that hesitation. I knew it for sure. Um, but other, other than pouring beers, which is also really important on knowing the different styles, how you, how you pour it and not to touch the glass up against your faucet, obviously. Um, have you had any other experience behind the bar or like in the brewing side that you got to help out with at all? Oh yeah. Um, let's see. I, any chance I could get to volunteer over on the brew house side, I almost always made sure it happened as long as it didn't conflict with my what I was already scheduled for. Um, I worked various other festivals, including the Beer Revival. Uh, we have a bunch of local ones that we do around here, Hops and Humble, Hoptoberfest. Um, those were are a lot of fun. I also helped do a guest brew. Uh, we have a 30-barrel system, and I helped the assistant brewer brew, the, brew an IPA that day. Um, helped out on the bottling line. Also, uh, few times working with the can van to can our flagship beer, which is steelhead extra pale ale. Um, for people who don't know, the can van is a mobile bottling and mobile canning unit that comes to your location. If you don't have your own canning line. Wow. And it's usually two guys that come with the machine and then you have all of your employees come and help out. And so, you know, putting, canning it, putting it in the six-pack holder, packing them into cases and stacking them, the pallets, and taking them away with the forklift and getting them ready to be distributed. That's really cool. Also, helping out in the cellar. I did a, a decent amount of work with the cellarmen, trying to learn as much as I could about yeast. Even though they're pretty simple organisms, there's still a lot to learn about them. And being a homebrew, I wanted to know how to take my own yeast from the fermenters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so to harvest yeast. yeast yeah, exactly. So you don't have to keep just buying <laughs> exactly. and wasting yeast when uh, you can make your own strain eventually. Exactly. But it sounds like you got like a good, like solid amount of stuff, not only on the taproom side, but also on the brewing side, which is really great. And it's really a tribute to the brewery itself being able to give the people that are selling their beer and pouring the beer the opportunities to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, really and it really helps you sell it too. Oh, absolutely. You know, people people love it when you when you know what you're talking about or at least have an idea of how things work over there. And like maybe at a bar, like a regular bar that serves like vodka and all different craft cocktails, it's more understandable if like the bartender doesn't know everything about the beers that they have. But when it's all right. you have is the one brewing the company that you're selling you just, just sell their, their beers. Beer. Yeah. It's a little uh, tougher to be like, yeah, I work here. Oh, what what do you say about this hop? What's hops are in the hop mantra? And oh, I don't, I don't know. Right. I'm gonna read the board here for you. It's like I I don't appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty hard to appreciate. <laughs> it's like just give me a flight, then you know I'll just make the determination for myself. <laughs> I'll figure it out on my own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so on to home brewing, since um, I'm a home brewer, and Shannon, I guess you're, the one time that you helped me, you could say you're a home yeah. brewer too. <laughs> if that constitute a home brewer, then yes. Um, Definitely. Well, I think it's you got to start somewhere, right? So you're not gonna go full exactly. bore unless you're 100% into it. 
right away. So well, you're not really letting me near the grains after I spilt them all over the floor. So <laughs> yeah, your your first time with the grains <laughs> all over the floor. Yeah. yeah, that didn't go so great. That's okay. You well, can only go up from here. You can exactly. I'm yeah, yeah you can only do better than that. Climb up. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally. Um, so how long have you been home brewing for? Um, let's see. I brewed my first batch of beer about three years ago. It was before I started at Mad River. Um, and I believe it was a hop forward West Coast style IPA. Um, a friend of mine who owned a homebrew shop at the time um, said, gotta come brew a batch of beer. And I was super excited. So definitely got into that. And then um, brewed a few other times with a few other friends. And then it wasn't until about a year ago, maybe a little bit less, that I bought this new system that I have. Um, and so I've been brewing like a maniac ever since then. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you have quite the setup. It's, is it in your barn or garage? or? It's in my garage. It, I know it looks like a barn, but... <laughs> it looks pretty cool, I have to say. James was jealous. <laughs> and so you have an electric brewing system, is that correct? Yep. Yeah. And and how long did it take you to kind of have that set up that you have now? Oh, gosh, it took forever. First, I mean, I bought it all. I actually bought the system. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Mendocino Brewing Company that um, went under a couple of years ago. But I bought uh, one of their brewers, um, his home system. And it was all completely set up when I got it. But then obviously I had to disassemble it and drive it four hours north. And it was quite the process to get it put together. I had to do have an electrician come. Um, luckily, my boyfriend is really skilled and, and did uh, all the piping of the water, and he helped me with a lot of things. It probably took us four months to get it all set up from the time I bought it, including we had a flood in the garage, so that oh, set no. us back oh, almost a month. Everything had to go up on pallets and, and <laughs> sit. And so, oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it ended up working out. <laughs> a, a flood not caused by you and your brewing, right? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the garage actually flooded. We had a lot of rain this winter. <laughs> Um, and so obviously like you've had to, you know your system pretty well at this point from piecemealing it kind of together and reassembling everything. And do you have any advice for those yeah. looking into homebrewing? Yeah, actually. Um, I guess the biggest piece of advice I would have is don't be afraid to fail. Um, you're not going to really better yourself if you're afraid to, to fail or try new things. And unfortunately, like that's part of trying new things is you're going to fail and you're going to make mistakes. But the important thing is you got to learn from those mistakes and, um, you know, you will get better. Also, it's not cheap. <laughs> if you think, you know, you're just going to come in and, and brew for a little, you know, a couple hundred dollars and have a whole system. It's that's not true. But it is a re if you enjoy it, it's a really good investment. I would recommend finding somebody else who brews and making sure you like it. Um, it's a lot of work. I actually had my mom come do a brew with me and she was very excited. And by the end, she, you could tell she was just like, this is too much work. Yeah. What, why? You could tell why she had a blast. Well, <laughs> yes. But <laughs> it's was, like, she was ready to just be done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, I had fun with you. This was great, but thanks. I, I'm good. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to do it again. <laughs> but you know, that's not how everybody sees it. So right. um, I would just definitely for the price that you end up spending all in all together, uh, make sure you really enjoy it. And also if you do really enjoy it and you are going to start, uh, you're only as good of a brewer as you are a cleaner. Exactly. Sanitization on everything is key. And it's one of the most like tedious aspects of brewing. And I think a lot of people think like, I can go and get this home brew kit and just follow the directions and have a perfect beer. And it's like, well, you know, they don't tell you, I guess some of the kits tell you a good detail about how cleaning is so important and when the cleaning mm-hmm. is critical. Um, but I think a lot of people forget that that cleaning takes the majority of your time. Totally. And if you think you're going to have a perfect beer your first time, yeah, that's not, you know, <laughs> I still can't even, I still don't think I've ever brewed a perfect beer. I was so. just and going to say I'm, that for mine, my own. So it's it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like you're never fully satisfied. And it's like, that's kind of like a great exactly. thing about it that like it's no matter exactly, what you do. That's how you learn and get better. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And as long as the people around you that like you're giving it to don't like spit it out. <laughs> I think uh, mm-hmm. it's it's just worth it for them because they're getting most of the time free beer. So, I mean, who doesn't want free beer? Totally, and you get constructive criticism from it too. You know, and, people tell you what they like and what they don't like about it, and you can change it or not depending I, on what you like. I don't know <laughs> if your experience was the same as mine, but at first when I I knew the beer wasn't that great, but I wanted that criticism. I gave it to a couple family members, friends, and they're like, wow, that was really good. Yep. And I'm like, you didn't drink it, did you? And they're like, what? <laughs> yes, I they're like, yes, I did. Like, yes, I did. I'm like, I don't think so, because I don't think it was very good. If and, you did, you would have said it tasted like dirty water. Yeah. And it's like, what didn't you like about it? And someone's like, all right, I'm going to be honest with you. Didn't have any aroma. It The flavor was a little lackluster. lackluster. And the, I had a good, you know, hop flavor to it but that was about it i was like okay i can run with that i think i know what i did yeah if you don't tell us you don't want people to sugarcoat it yeah and if you don't tell them how to make it better then you're just gonna have to keep drinking crappy beer because they're gonna think it's good and then you're gonna keep it exactly you're only helping yourself crappy hat (laughs) oh gosh um but so you want to pursue your dream in craft beer production. Do you have an update on that at all? Or are you still plugging along trying to figure out things? I'm still plugging along trying to figure out things. Um, where I live, there's, you know, there's a decent amount of breweries, but there's not a ton. Um, so I've been applying, but, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm just really trying to just focus on my home brewing and trying to refine my skills. Um, and, you know, and, like I said earlier, I still haven't brewed the perfect beer, but that's okay because it's a never-ending learning process. And what are you currently working on now? For Actually, beers? today, my boyfriend and I, we just got done with a uh, fresh hop. Um, a friend of mine, homebrew friend of mine, grew a bunch of Cascade and Centennial hops, and they were grown really nearby in Eureka, California, and... So today we did a fresh hop IPA and it actually turned out pretty good. We hit our original gravity right on the money. So that's pretty awesome. Um, also in fermenters right now, we have um, we have another IPA um, 
a Citra IPA. We're going to do a Galaxy and Fresh Peach IPA. I also have, I know it's not a beer, but I have a, a blackberry cider going as well for mm-hmm. all the non-beer drinkers at the party. Wow. So you're very busy. Um, wow. Yeah. That, yes. That <laughs> peach beer, sign me up. to get all the beer ready. Yeah. <laughs> Galaxy is one of my favorite hops. We, so that, I hope that beer turns out awesome. I think it's going to be really good. Um, we actually, I pureed fresh peaches, gallons, a couple gallons of fresh peaches. Um, and froze them and made my own puree. So that's going in there. That sounds delicious. I want some of that. <laughs> now I want some peach beer. And so craft beer, as you know, has really like boomed, but it's also starting to be on the decline as far as they're starting to diversify, whether it's going in hard seltzers or finding non-alcoholic beers to kind of work on to kind of keep the, the competitive edge what do you think craft beer is going to be like or what's going to be popular in the near future, probably in less than five years or so? You know, I, I struggled a little bit with this question just because of the idea that, you know, it's like what we were just talking about. There's so much regional variation mm-hmm. in beer styles, um, you know, but I really think that wild beef beers are going to become the next trend. Um, just because there's so many possibilities with wild yeast. And I think that people are going to start isolating the different wild yeast and realizing what wild yeast work and start culturing them and just adding more and more to our yeast library. And I do think that that could all, like also have offshoots of all new styles of beer that I couldn't even fathom. Um, yeah, I think, so I, I, think I agree with you on that. Definitely. I, I think too with people are loving the sour and the funky. Oh, absolutely! And... I, I'm trying to get into it. I'm still new into the sours. I still have to find that one sour beer that kind of starts it for me. That kind of gets my palate really accustomed to that kind of flavor. Going from the hoppy IPAs and like the nice malty. I've just right. really got into those nice malty dark stouts and porters. I've just really started to enjoy those beers. On in addition to those hoppy ones. So I think especially now with so many homebrewers like yourself and myself and even those who have had, you know, 20 plus years experience, they're doing their own homebreweries and they're really doing experimental brews. So like you were saying with the sours yeah. and really those wild yeast strains, strains that's too risky at the moment for a lot of big breweries to kind of focus on that. Uh, but I, I think that's going to be Definitely. something that's once the public kind of catches up to those flavor profiles, too, because there's that learning curve, just how with Blue Moon, when they first came out and they had the hazy, that hazy look, no one wanted to drink a beer that was cloudy. Right. And now a lot ev- of people used to think that that meant they were lazy brewers. Exa- exactly. And now everyone wants that hazy beer. And if it's clear, they're like, all right, what's mm-hmm. wrong with this? <laughs> But I also hope that the exactly. uh, the malty beers make a big comeback. I think stouts and porters, especially with the rise in like the dual coffee roasting and breweries, a lot of breweries now are incorporating coffee into a lot of their brews. I think that's going to be kind yeah. of the first step before that wild strain step. I think that's kind of like an intermediate change Definitely. of the industry. That's not too too far out of we everyone's We did a coffee norm. beer not too long ago. Yeah, we've seen a lot of breweries near us starting to have coffee beers and also just sell 
coffee grounds in yeah. general as well. So, so I think it'll be interesting to see the collaborations that come out too in the next couple of years. So now it's, you know, you have the coffee roasters really collaborating with the brewers and I think it's, it's going to be exciting what people come up with. Definitely. Well, thanks so much, Ashley, for taking the time out to speak with us. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. So you. Much. I appreciate it. Any last words of wisdom? I hope you guys, you know, any, I just keep on brewing. And like I said, don't be afraid to fail. Okay. Don't, don't give up, you know, just cause some don't turn out right. It's okay. Just learn from it and keep moving on. Cause you'll, you'll get it right. Don't get discouraged. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good advice. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you guys. I appreciate the chance to be on. Cheers, Ashley. Thanks for your contributions to your neighborhood brewery in making the craft beer experience something memorable. Keep home brewing as well. Do you want to be featured in the behind the bar series? We'd love to have you on the show. Homebrewers, bartenders, brewery staff, if you're a part of the brewing community, we want to hear from you. Direct message us on Instagram or email us at doublehoppy at gmail.com. Catch, Catch you on, on the, the brew side. side.